Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This is show number 79, and this week's guest is Heather Kalasek. Heather comes to talk with us about her many projects. Uh, she's a teacher uh, and has a lot of fun with pinhole photography. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is uh, show 79 of uh, the Lensless Podcast, and we're glad to have everybody back listening, aren't we, Andrew? We are, yes. Hello, Corey. Is that 79 of a limited edition of 80? Because if we're nearly there, if it is. Sure, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah, let's do that. How are you? Uh, yeah, all right. Been to a yeah. nice uh, carol concert at a thousand-year-old cathedral. You, you, wow. haven't, you, haven't, you don't have anything a thousand years old, do you? Not apart from mm. the landscape i hang out with you so <laughs> <laughs> oh no i'm just picking yeah no. mm. so that was good very cold though we were very cold yeah. just, just i'm just warming up too cold for caravanning <laughs> yeah the caravan's parked up on the drive and uh i've had to buy a car for the first time in 34 years yeah yeah so uh yeah i have a a, Mon, a ford mondeo <laughs> which i think in your country, oh, we talked about this last time. Yeah, didn't we? we talked about this last week. What's it called in your in your language? Uh, I it's remember. Called, called something else, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, something else. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. no, the caravan, the caravan will be back on the road probably, oh. probably February, I think. Yeah, right on. But I've That's been uh, not done any pinhole photography, but I, I've got both my enlargers up and running now, and I'm starting to work through a backlog of negatives. So. I've got lots of pinhole negatives that I'll start printing over Christmas. That's the idea. Right on. Awesome. Mm. Cool. Yeah. I got to, uh, I got one roll shot. I got to make some new, um, one roll shot of the, uh, the get swap project. I'm oh, working yeah. on my second roll and I had a, uh, pipe burst under my kitchen sink. So I had to take mm. everything out of it and, I got to mix some new chemistry, so I got to do that probably this afternoon, and then I can develop some stuff. Yep, and then that's Good been stuff. about it for me. So yeah, but so this week we have uh, a special guest with us. Um, we have Heather. They're they're all special, and you only said well, yeah. Heather because folks now are thinking <laughs> Heather. We, we've hey, had a, yeah. <laughs> so Heather. How do you say Heather's second name, Corey? Ah, uh, Pelasek. No, I still say yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. Pelasek, that's said... right. Okay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on the show. Sure. Thanks for coming. Um, yeah, no problem. How is, uh, how is life in New Jersey? Oh, life is great in New Jersey. Um, cool. Yeah. I'm a teacher, so we're just getting ready for Christmas break. And weather's been pretty good. Yeah. Now, uh, there's a picture. How... There's a Sorry, go on. Corey. No, I was going to say, on. it seems pretty nice because there's a picture of you on your Instagram page taping mm -hmm. a camera to a rail, um, and it yes. looks like you're not in like a full heavy winter clothes <laughs> snowmobile suit or anything, so it's not too bad, I guess. <laughs> not too bad. <laughs> not too bad. Cool. How far away are you away from uh, New York City, Heather? I'm about an hour and a half from New York City. And a half yeah. hour from Philadelphia. 
Okay, yeah. I say that because my son and his girlfriend are flying out to New York this evening. Oh, so, do they need uh, a ride from the airport? <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure. Can you I pick them up? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'll get him to text you what time he's arriving, if you can pick him up and uh, okay. t- take him around New York. That'll be great. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what clothes they've taken with them. But I think they've gone prepared for all sorts of different weather because I think it can change can change yes. quite quickly, can't it? It can, yeah. It yeah. Can. Yeah. I know so, here where I'm at, it goes from 65, almost 70 degrees, to the next morning it'll be 28. Oh, wow. That sounds yeah. like New Jersey, too. Yeah, it's crazy swings where I'm at. So. But, yeah. So you... So tell us a little bit about yourself, Heather. You're you're a teacher. What are you... Where I are am... You? Are you a public Um, school teacher or? Yeah, so I teach um, at a public high school nearby me. We have a dark room and a digital lab. Um, I've been doing that since 2010, and I just absolutely love it. Cool. Can I just say, you mentioned, just for our English listeners, Mm -hmm. public schools in the UK are ones where you have to be very, very rich to go and um, uh, to to go to. Oh, Oh, interesting. Yeah, so public hmm. schools in the in England are not. <laughs> They're just called that. So yeah. places like e- Eton and, uh, you know, those sort of places, uh, e- Eton is a famous public school, mm-hmm. and, and it's very much private. Are those fancier public schools, the ones where, yeah. um, is that where they teach everyone to do four by five backwards, five by four and ten by eight? <laughs> no, I think you have to. Uh, it's where you, it's where you pay loads of money to go, and you then come out of uh, public school, and you end up as prime minister of the UK. Oh, so amazing. that's that sort of thing. Oh, oh. So. In New Jersey, the public schools are just like the regular schools that anyone can go to. Sure. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to be difficult. <laughs> Yeah, but so, I really do love my job. Um, it's a awesome. great school and a really good program. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you – well, i tell you what, why don't we do this? Let everybody know um, a little bit about yourself as far as – I know you're into solography a lot, so mm-hmm. um, let everyone know a quick bit about your pinhole, your pinhole career, I guess. Is that what we can call it? Yeah, that sounds good to me. My pinhole career, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I got my start in photography when I was in high school. Um, I think it was like 2002. I took my first photography class and just absolutely fell in love with it. It felt like for the first time I found like my niche, my thing. Um, and I do remember briefly learning pinhole photography then, but we weren't required to do a project. Um, and I remember in college, so I decided to go to college to be a photography teacher myself. Um, and I took a lot of photo classes when I was in college and I remember learning about it then, but also not being required to do a project. Um, but I was really interested in it. And my senior year of college, um, I went on, I guess maybe probably not even on the internet. I think I ordered it through the catalog, the BNH catalog. Um, and I ordered this four by five pinhole camera because in college I had been working primarily, uh, in large format and I was a four by five film photographer, Um, So I ordered this pinhole camera and started taking pictures with it and like really fell in love with it. Um, Was, was that the Santa Barbara? No, I don't even know. 
I don't even know what brand it is. I have it. I wish I could get up to um, get it out of my room to look at it, but it's just like a a wooden box. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so I started photographing with that. Um, That was in probably 2007. And I don't remember them being like super successful. Um, And I sort of like dropped it after that year. Um, But once I became a teacher myself, it was part of the curriculum to teach pinhole photography and um, teaching it to my students and seeing it through their eyes, the magic that they felt, they sort of were in disbelief that like a camera obscura was an actual thing. Um, And I was able to sort of empathize with that and just seeing the magic through their eyes made it more magical to me again. Um, And that really drove me to pursue it uh, like more. Um, So I, took my four by five pinhole photo camera out again. Um, I remember taking it on a road trip with my little brother up the East coast um, to Acadia national park to go hiking. And that was like the only camera I brought with me. So I was like dedicated to pinhole. Um, And I've just been using them ever since, but I do, I started um, with solar graphy. Actually, I do more so than just regular pinhole photography. And that I was introduced to through a friend of mine who I found out is in your Facebook group, actually. Um, Yeah, Nicole Croy. So Mm -hmm. her online um, through a photo teachers like group. um, And we instantly bonded because we have like a similar teaching philosophy and we're both obsessed with pinhole photography. Um, And she had asked me if I ever heard of solarography, which I hadn't. And she gave me like instructions and showed me some of her work. And I was just blown away. Um, I actually remember like crying when like my first good solarograph came out. I was like, just so amazing. Um, So she's the one that got me into that. And it's just been nonstop ever since. She's a photography teacher or instructor as well isn't she she is yeah in um fort wayne indiana yeah i've oh. communicated i think i i think i messaged her i'm sure i've messaged her when i about the same time as i messaged you because i realized there was a connection between yeah. you, and you, you knew each other mm-hmm. yeah she's wonderful right. so how i got into solar graphy um just through like online connections and just started pursuing pinhole photography so I know that everyone who does it uh, has a magic number that they're like, some people will just do a week or a month, you know? So do you have a, a time frame that's your kind of your, your, that magic window that you like, you know, do you let everything sit for a full year or do you just try to do, okay, I couldn't um, stand it that long. I don't think I have the patience to let it sit <laughs> for a whole year. It's a lot of patience. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think my magic number is about six weeks. I really like the like six weeks to seven week time period, but I have cameras out right now that have been sitting for almost a full year where I'm ready to take them down. Um, I have others that have been up for almost a year or months. Um, I'm constantly, I, I don't know. I probably have more than 50 cameras up right now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was watching. Can I just say, we, I spoke about this before we, before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Folks, folks listening, if you want to see how to use Instagram stories, it might just be me because I'm kind of old and an old fart, <laughs> but I don't, uh, I don't really understand Instagram stories, if I'm honest. But Heather has some awesome Instagram stories. And um, the, I think the one, there's one called My Cameras and Pinhole Photographs. But in, in one of those, you, you, Heather, you're, you're out 
you can see how Heather's taping these uh, your various mm. pinhole cameras mm -hmm. to trees, and a lot of them get lost as well, don't they? or they get stolen. Maybe is that is that what happens? Yes, they do. Um, a lot of people are. I mean, I would be curious too if I was hiking out in the woods and I saw this mysterious That's tin right. taped to a tree. I would want to know. Yeah, exactly. So I get it, um, but it is heartbreaking to me when, you know, like you said before, Corey, like how much patience you'd have to have to know this camera is up there and you're thinking about it for like a whole year. And then when oh, you get up, it's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've actually, some of my favorite images I've made though, were ones that were tampered with. I have one where a person took it off of the tree and opened it and must've realized what it was. So they closed it and taped it back up to the tree but they taped it upside down it came out really amazing so i don't know who i collaborated with on that one but i'm really thankful for them <laughs> yeah right do you yeah. not put a little can you not put a little Notes. note on it saying uh don't, so this, I, is, this is a camera please leave it alone it's not it's nothing valuable just go away something like yeah. that <laughs> yeah um i did start to do that in i want to say may of this year i used a like a laser cutter and I laser engraved a message into um, like anodized aluminum. So I've been putting up those signs with my cameras and it's definitely helped, which is mm. good. You should yeah. say something like this camera is full of bubonic plague. Don't open it or you're going <laughs> to be dead in a month. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't. That'd be funny. <laughs> hmm. So have you got a fame? Have you got a, uh, have you got a uh, favorite receptacle to make? your pinhole cameras from i do actually um well most of mine are just made out of like recycled tins um yeah. a lot of people give me their leftover tins which i just love um and one of them i think it's my favorite because i made my favorite image inside of it so i have like a connection to it but it's a christmas cookie tin with a snowman on the front oh, of it so, yes i've seen yeah, that yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i just i don't know i just like that one <laughs> there you go yeah. yeah. So I have a, so more importantly to me is how do you keep track of having 50 cameras up? Do you have like a map that you draw or do you have a detailed explanation of where you set it at for all 50 for each one, you know? I mean, like, yeah, that's a really do, good question. You, um, <laughs> so I use Google Maps um, uh, and wherever you are, there's like a little button you can press and then uh -huh. zoom in your exact location. Um, yeah. So I'll the location and then save it and i have a list of them the uh, only problem that i found is that they're not very accurate um uh -oh. <laughs> so if i'm like in a city like if i go to trenton um which is just right down the street and i pin like a telephone pole that i put a camera on it's very easy to find it again yeah. but a lot of the times i'm hiking through the woods and because i realize people like to take the cameras i go off the trail where i think people won't go mm -hmm. um, so i'm like really out in the middle of the woods and i put a camera up and then six months later you go to get it the woods don't look the same uh like nothing looks the same and right. the pin uh just isn't extremely accurate so i've gotten like turned around and like almost had a panic attack a couple of times like thinking i would never find my way out of the woods um it becomes it's a little difficult but that's sort of why i i like doing this i i like the adventurous sort of quality of it i like the the unknown um i like having to use a compass and like pin things and go back and find them it's like a scavenger hunt and yeah. i just 
it's sort of the art of it to me is just like the fun time that I have going out and finding them. And I think yeah. the wonkiness of Google Maps not being totally accurate it makes it a little bit more interesting. Anything that gets you outside is good. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Right. You're like well, a squirrel who's lost her nuts at times, <laughs> I guess. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. so when you're teaching your um how old are the kids that you're mainly working with heather um they're between the ages of like 14 to 18 okay so they're they're sensible aren't they (laughs) yeah they are (laughs) how how do you um how how does when they first walk into your class are they how does it work are they is it a photography course they're taking or do they do they have a choice about i don't know much about the american education system so do, do the, are they yeah. there? Are they there because they're forced to come to class, or they're there because they want to come? Well, a little bit of both. Um, they are forced to take an art class. They actually need two art classes before they graduate, okay. but they have a lot of options. So they could take one of my photo classes, or like a ceramics class, or a studio class, or they could even go um, the music route and do like singing or band. Um, so they have to take an art class. Um, and a lot of, if they're in my course, most likely they've chosen to take photo over the others. Right. Um, and then every once in a while, like some of my students choose to take the class because they're interested in photography and others choose to take the class because they feel like uh, photography might be easier to them than let's say like a drawing class. Yeah. Um, so I have, like, I have a mix, but the majority of them are very excited to be there. And do they have... Is your class exactly what they're expecting? I mean, if they've got an interest in photography and suddenly you say, here's a, here's a tin, make a hole in it. We're going to do photography. Yeah. What, what are you on about? Where's my digital camera? Yeah. Um, yeah a so, tin with the bear on it too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I would say there's a little bit of surprise to it. They Most of them know it's going to be a film photography class, but they don't know really what film photography is it's not like when we grew up where the only cameras around were film cameras even if I had taken a picture I have a general understanding that like you put the film in it lighting matters you you take the photo and you hope it comes out um these kids don't really know it they don't have experience with film at all so I think there's still a lot of surprise to it um they've never seen a dark room they don't know anything about film uh so there's definitely, a, there's definitely a surprise element where they're not really sure what they're getting into. Um, and I try to keep class exciting. And, uh, you know, I'm really passionate about pinhole photography and working in the darkroom. And I think a little bit of my passion can rub off on them. If they see how excited I am, I think they get a little bit more excited as well. Yeah, yeah all, all the best teachers. If you've, if you've got something that you're really passionate about, it just becomes exciting to those listening, doesn't it? No matter, it could be the most mundane of subject, but if you've got a real passion for, you know, carving yeah. uh, carving lampposts out of matchsticks, you'll you'll <laughs> you'll impart, and you're really excited about it. At the end of the class, those guys are going to be excited too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good for yep. you. I'm very very admiring of anybody who can uh, teach enthusiastically. Yeah, and have the oh, patience. And, and have the patience because I don't want. And have the patience. The patience. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can't even thump them there, can you? Hit them, you know, when they're when they're, <laughs> when they're. But if they're there because they've chosen to be there, they're probably going to be good kids, I imagine, on the whole. Yeah, my kids are really good. So, do they are they surprised when you don't even use film? So you explain to film, said actually, we're not going to use film. We're going to use photo paper. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first project we do is photograms. Um, and then the second project ah, is the that makes sense, photography. Doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so they get an understanding of how like the photo paper itself works. And we go through the history of how it was invented um, well, very briefly. And then when we do the pinhole photography, I show them um, the camera obscuras. And I like to show them um, Abe Morell's work. And I always find his work really fascinating. So we look at his um And then we make our first pinhole camera and they're always like just so amazed and surprised that this little piece of garbage they poked a hole into can like make a photograph. Um, Have you ever ever shared any of the YouTube videos of Brendan Barry? Because he's done a lot of... uh... I haven't shared his in class. Um, I was actually only introduced to his work this year when I joined Instagram through my, with my pinhole photography page. Mm-hmm. Um, so I only just found out about his work and I've been, I have it on my to-do list to add him into my curriculum. He, um, took, he, took, he took the 44th floor of a skyscraper in New York with, yes. something, with something like, I don't know, 50 or 60 windows and made camera obscura. Mm-hmm. for the new york skyline <laughs> it's so inspiring i loved that yeah yeah did and he made a photograph inside of it too with photo did. paper right? he did yeah yeah yeah, yeah mm-hmm. with rolls that he took a roll of paper that he bought and mm-hmm. uh, developed it in big trays you know backwards and forwards yeah fantastic stuff so yeah. you you could do that though couldn't you you could t- have you turned your classroom into a camera obscura um, my classroom actually doesn't have any windows in it. <laughs> uh, well, you could make one. Take a drill. But <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, but I did make one on the other side of the building, the yearbook room. There's, a, it's just like a nice small little room with one window. Um, and I turned that into a camera obscura. Awesome. So yeah. for fo- yeah. folks listening, I'm sure there's probably not anybody here who who hasn't heard us talk about solography before. But it doesn't. It actually doesn't come up on every show, does it? Uh, does it Corey do you want to just no. um, put your best teaching hat on and tell tell the folks yeah. that listening a little I, bit yep. about solography and uh, some some tricks <laughs> if they want to try that at home you know yeah definitely um so solography is the like intentional extreme overexposing of a photograph um so if you were to take a pinhole photo I know that it completely varies, but I'm just going to say that a typical exposure would be like, let's say five seconds, Um, or in some cases it could be one minute. Um, But in my case, I'm taking that same pinhole camera and I'm leaving it outside for an entire year. So however many minutes are in that entire year, you can just assume that it would be extremely overexposed. Um, And through that overexposure, it actually makes an imprint on the negative itself. So I'm putting a darkroom photo paper into the back of my pinhole camera. And then over the course of the time it's exposing, uh, it creates an image on the paper itself, which um, for anyone that's worked in a darkroom, you know that when you expose a piece of uh, photo paper, you don't see anything on the image. You have to put it in the developer to have the image appear. Um, So the cool thing about solarography is that the image is imprinted on the paper itself. So it's actually creating like a lumen print. If you guys, or if anyone's listening has made a lumen print um, where you just like put objects on top of photo paper and leave it out in the light for let's say like a half hour or more, it'll leave an imprint on that paper. Um, You're doing that, but through a pinhole camera. And then instead of developing it, since that paper is extremely overexposed, uh, 
you would scan it in a scanner and get the image onto your computer and then you can manipulate it in Photoshop. So you're kind of combining like the most recent form of photography or digital photography and the oldest form of photography to create um, your photographs. Do you, now I've only done this once. I, I got, um, when I was at the photo show in Birmingham last year, mm-hmm. I picked up a solar can. There's a guy, you know, who, who made a business mm-hmm. out of um, producing solar cans in kits, you know, so it's a, it's a beer can which has been mm-hmm. made especially with some paper already in it and the pinholes already made. And I taped it to my drain pipe in my house and I left it from March to the summer solstice, I think, somewhere around there. And okay. I've got the typical, you know, circular, semicircular light paths. And uh, I scanned that and I inverted it. Is, it, is that because then it just seemed to, I think, did I invert it? I did something to it to bring some colours out anyway. You do have to invert it. It is inverted. It's what I did. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So the first thing that I do on my computer um, is I flip it horizontally right. um, because you know how the camera obscura image is upside down, but also backwards. Mm-hmm. So I'll flip it horizontally and then I convert it from a negative to a positive by inverting it. Yeah. And typically I find that the positive image is usually a little bit dark. Um, so my typical process would be to brighten it. Um, and then usually I'll add a little bit of contrast as well. And my colors, I typically leave as is, um, I might enhance them slightly, uh, adding like a little bit extra saturation or in some cases, reducing the saturation a little bit. But, um, you'll notice that if you go through my Instagram, most of the colors are like pinks and purples and oranges. Um, those are like the typical colors that would come out of the solar graphs. Um, anything that you see black and white is because I made it black and white in Photoshop. Right. Mine, I'm staring at mine now and um, mm-hmm. I'll, post, I'll post it. I haven't actually shared this with anybody yet. Cause I wasn't sure what to, I wasn't sure what to make of it. Have you done any solography, um, Corey? I haven't. I want to. I want to set one up with with, uh, with my sons. I'll, I'll share. I'll share this to the Lenses Podcast Facebook group. I've just opened it up in uh, in Instagram, and I've got generally. I don't know what paper it, not in Photoshop, rather. I don't know what paper it was in it because this came from a commercial solar can. So, but I imagine okay. it. I imagine it must be Ilford Multigrade. I would have thought. But I've got mm-hmm. g- generally in a blue color, dark blue, and then I've got these light light trails and i can see pretty mm-hmm. pretty clearly the church yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, yeah. um church is that and the, the negative well i'll share it i'll share it's a bit difficult talking about it isn't it i'll, yeah. I'll share it onto no this is inverted so this is inverted when it was okay when it was straight it was just a sort of murky brown color it's what it seemed yeah but mm. uh i'll uh i'll, I'll post it anyway because i i'm pretty certain it was a kind of blue when i just inverted it uh, and I, mm-hmm. I think I, I grabbed hold of the saturation until it looked a, a pleasing blue. I think I can't quite remember now. Pleasing yeah. blue, a pleasing <laughs> blue, yeah. But it worked, you know. It worked. I can see, I can see very clearly the the houses over the fence, and mm-hmm. uh, I've lot. I've the, the the sun obviously went quite high in the sky, and it, and the it's gone so high it actually hasn't recorded the top of it's missing on the in the image. You see, so. Uh, I think I should have maybe angled the can uh, upwards a little bit, and then so next time I do it, I'm going to just do it with my own can and play around with it. There but do, with with solography, do you have to worry so much about um, 
the the size of the pinhole does it does it matter so much because you're leaving it out so long and you're looking at gross overexposure anyway do you have to be so fastidious um, about size of pinhole i you don't have to be the super mathematical about it i poke the pinholes um and look at them just by eyesight i'm not measuring or anything um which i could do uh I think it definitely matters. The larger the pinhole is, the image will, you'll definitely notice it be blurrier. So I just try to make the pinhole as absolutely small as I can. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes I've made it so small that the, the trail of light doesn't cover the whole paper. So I've sort of learned over the years, like by eyesight, what size pinhole it should be. And you don't have to be super, super mathematical about it. Mm. Yeah, it, it does make a difference. But. Well, I'll share, Corrie, Corrie and Heather, you can, I'll share my effort to the Lensless Podcast Facebook group and you can make, I'm make, excited. make, I'm looking make, forward make to what you, <laughs> make, make what you want of it. Yeah. <laughs> I might so, even do it while, while you're asking the next question, Corrie. So I guess the only <laughs> thing that we, your only limitation would be what size you can scan. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's definitely a thing. Um, and then what DPI you scan at for the resolution. Because mm -hmm. um, you only get really one chance to scan it. Really? And so it's just done? Yeah, it's not like done, done. But it changes. You, can, you can see how much more exposed the image is when you take it out of the scanner. So if you were to scan it a second time, it would lose a lot of its tonal quality. Oh, gotcha. Oh, I, was yeah. I was wondering about that because I've heard hmm. I've had I've had mixed. Some folks have said, "Oh, you can scan it a few times." Some people say, "Oh, it just kind of disappears or it starts getting more dense." But common yeah, sense, common you... sense would suggest that you, you've a limited time. Really, I would think you do. If you scan it at a low resolution, uh, you know the scanning light goes by so fast that it it really doesn't make much of a noticeable difference. But I scan at a pretty high resolution. Um, and as it scans, it scans much slower. So when I take the the paper out of my scanner, you can want like very seriously see a difference. It's very dark. How, what do you, what DPI do you scan yours at? 1200, 1400? Or... I do eight, 800 for the scanner I'm using. Yeah, okay. I find that if I was to scan any higher, uh, the it starts to, I don't know what I'm trying to It takes so long. It takes so long that the light affects it as it's scanning. Oh, wow. And any lower, I don't want to go much lower because then the file size is smaller. Yeah, sure. So that's my secret number is the 800. Are you, do you have any particular paper? Everybody has their own, you know, their own little secret formula. Some people only use, ex you know, expired paper or, you know, whatever. Do you just use regular Ilford RC paper or do you like fiber paper or what, what do you like? to? Um, that's a really great question. <laughs> the thing about solarography is it's to experiment. It takes so long. So I feel like yeah. I've been, even though I've been doing this for three years, I still feel like I'm still experimenting and it's taking forever. Um, but so far, the paper that I like is um, anything that's pearl coated. Um, I don't really like fiber paper. I find that it yeah. curls inside of the camera itself. Oh, yeah. It's problematic. Yeah. I have a hard time keeping it flat. So I like RC. And I've tried like matte paper. I've tried glossy. Um, I think the pearl is my favorite finish. 
And then so pearl pearl is right in between the matte and the gloss. Yeah. But the thing with the yeah. pearl is when you scan it, you can see the like you know how the texture of pearl paper, it's you can see that texture yeah. in your photos. Yeah. Um so I started experimenting because I would like my photographs to not have that texture present and it's just I can't find a happy medium. So I think I'm I'm pretty right. happy with the pearl. Um and I use all different brands and whatever's available yeah and i actually That's really cool. like using warm tone paper because when you invert it it becomes very blue and i like that mm. so you can uh. experiment with different types of paper also Maybe that's what I had. I've just I've, so I've just posted my my picture into the Facebook group and I've tagged you, Heather, so you'll see. Uh, okay. My, my, mine's blue, but I've no idea what paper it is. When I when I meet uh, Mr. Solacan again, I'll ask him. You'll have to ask him. Yeah. yeah, if it comes out looking almost like a cyanotype, then I'm pretty sure you had worm tone paper in your camera. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> no idea. So I was looking at your website, Heather. We see lots of different stuff. We have uh, cyanotypes, mm -hmm. um, and you also. I've been looking at the series, the portraits of trees. Mm, yes. And are you so you're carrying your studio light out in the woods with you? I and am doing these because because I, I was looking at them and I was like, she's got to be doing some kind of light for these because there's no way that she's getting this exposure with the background so black and you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, I actually really love those photos. Um, yeah, I do too. They're they're awesome. But they're they're not pinhole. Are we allowed to talk about them on this lensless podcast? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. We're, didn't... we're going to make an exception for you this time. I didn't think they were pinhole, but I was uh, too frightened to ask. Go on. <laughs> oh. um, yeah. So those ones I actually use my DSLR for, and I do. I I I'm a hike. I love hiking. So. I have my hiking backpack. I pack it with um, a black fabric, like backdrop. Oh, um, oh that's the deal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. And all like studio lighting equipment, light stands, my camera, like the whole nine yards. Um, hike out right. into the woods and just, I know this sounds kind of crazy, but yeah. sort of like. Oh, don't worry. We've heard a lot of crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just like wait for a tree to speak to me. Um, and when I find that one tree, I set up the studio around it and photograph it. Yeah. I, I like these. Uh, I like the textures of it, of the, of the tree. Cause I was wondering about the black background because you can get it that back. If you have like that black, if you have like high speed sync, you know what I mean? And you can totally knock out all the ambient light. But I was like, wow, that's really black. Yeah. So you're carrying a whole, like basically a studio. I've setup. never known anybody to do that. A lot of folks photograph trees, don't they? But I've never known anyone to take a studio with them. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's, the ones with the vines are great and the bark, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. like the light, the side lighting, you know, side lighting always gives you really good texture. So yeah, that's, I mean, you. the texture on all these are awesome. So that's why, I mean, that, it doesn't matter if it's pinhole or not. I mean, you know, if it's if it's good photography, then, I mean, it's Thank good. Thank you. Um, that's awesome. I appreciate and, it. And your cyanotypes are lovely. Are you, are you sort of, um, some of these sort of wet cyanotypes where you're squirting the paper with water or something? Because they look a bit watery. Yes, they're a wet cyanotypes. Or milk or what's your secret? <laughs> oh, not milk. <laughs> oh, that would be awful. <laughs> these are very impressionistic, though, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a lot of water um, and like acidic -y, uh liquids like um, lemon juice, oh, like yeah. juice from olive jars or pickles, mm -hmm. um, kind of like splashed in there. 
And then the just like lemon lemon slices or something. Yeah, lemon juice. And the other trick is that the plants themselves are alive still, so oh. they're not flattened and pressed um, like a traditional sure. cyanotype would be oh, made so with. You're, li- you're laying them on there more like a sun print or a lumen print, almost on yes. cyanotype. Yeah, and then leaving them outdoors to once again extremely overexposed, just like the solar graphs. Yeah. Um, they get left outside for like eight hours, sometimes multiple days. And wow. the humidity and the condensation from the sun hitting them and it kind of like the juices and waters that I put in with the plant, it sort of brings the, I don't know what you would say, like the colors of the leaves themselves out, which is where you get a lot of the browns and the yellows. Mm. So you, there's no That's glass. Like, um... Sorry, Corey, there's no glass or anything. These are literally all just laid on there and sprayed, shove it outside and hope it doesn't um, get too windy. I, no, I do put glass on top, actually. Oh, you're putting glass, right. Okay. Yeah. And that helps with the humidity because I, sure, you know, yeah. I really clamp the glass down tight and then with the sun beating down on it and it being wet inside, that humidity really helps make it uh, sort of look like what it looks like. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Um, there's um, another artist on Instagram that I followed and you, you guys might know about her also, but her name's Mariah McDonald. Oh, I don't know her. Um, and she's doing a project that's kind of like that where she's you send her her name and she sends you a you know four by six piece of you know photo paper and you expose it outside in your climate and you send it back to her you know hmm. so she has some that has snow you know whatever um and i put she's i signed up for it she sent me a uh, one of her cards and I did mine in the hurricane so oh, that's cool. I set it out for the hurricane there so all the rain and the wind and you know, everything's blowing and uh, it's not like quite drops. Everything's really pushed over, you know, with the wind blowing it kind of, you know, stuff. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. But, I'm going to have to look up that uh, project. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. She's she does all kinds of environmental. There's um, a few Mariah McDonald's things. on Instagram, but I haven't managed to track it oh, down. Is there yeah, really? There's a couple that are just says private accounts. So I, don't, I don't know whether that's her or not, but uh, hmm. maybe you can yeah. share, I'll share put, the details. I'll, yeah. I'll put the link in uh in the show notes to check her out. <clears throat> but yeah, but that's kind of she does the same thing too. Yeah, I sort along of, those lines. Not yeah, I just made that I I like the idea of like Mother Nature sort of playing into the what the final outcome of your artwork looks like. That's what interests me a lot about my cyanotapes and also the solar graphs yeah. is you don't you have an idea of what it's going to look like, but you never truly know. Um, and having that yeah. surprise element to the artwork is like really motivating to me, really like inspiring and just keeps things exciting for me. I was going to say nature is obviously part of your theme of everything because there, there's some form of it mm-hmm. in, in all of your projects, you know what I mean? So that's definitely uh, yeah. Uh, what gets you up and gets you outside, I guess. Yep. Like yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I can see a theme of like my relationship with Mother Nature, just like humans' relationship with Mother Nature, and all of my work for sure. There's a few um, fellow artists, and I, I and I don't use the term lightly within the Facebook group, who are using a similar sort of approach. Uh, Kai Lewis has started doing it, and uh, and I keep forgetting. Corey, the guy who buries his paper, um, 
Marcus Umecevic. Yes. Yeah. So there's a few. Sorry, Marcus. Marcus. Yeah. There's a few guys. There's a few guys who are using that sort of approach, and also. Um, now, what's the technique? I want to say it's called arth- arthrotype. Is that is that right, Heather? Do you know where oh, where, you're using, where you're where you where you're using the juices of say beetroot or something or some plant based as a sensitizer on the paper? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't experimented with that, but I think they're so beautiful. The colors you can get. Yeah, crazy stuff. Yeah. Yep. A, well, M- Marcus goes a step beyond any of that because he's taking his down to like bacteria level you know what i mean like (laughs) he's like talking about the bacteria in the ground and that's what's changing the colors you know i mean that's what's making his thing so he's like doesn't he just like buries them he does yeah Yeah. i think yeah he just lets it go and then just comes back and sees what happens so it's kind of crazy not crazy in that sense but we know what you mean Yeah, I heard about so, him yeah. on the Kai Lewis show and looked up his work, and it's just so yeah. fascinating. I love seeing like the behind the scenes of how he would uncover them. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, so we like all kinds of all all kinds of photography. It doesn't have to just be straight panel stuff, you know. Do you shoot a Holga, uh, Heather? Do you have a Holga or a Diana? No, I, well, actually, I do, but I don't shoot with them. Um, I for my like film pinhole work, I have an Anju camera. And I mm. shoot with that, and I have a noon camera also, a six by twelve. Cool. Yeah, those are fun. Yeah. I've been um, I've yeah. been very tempted. I haven't I haven't actually bought a pinhole camera for a long time, but I've been very tempted <laughs> with the uh, the Ondu thirty five mil panoramic one. Uh, and mm-hmm. I don't, and uh, th- there's some great work being shared in the in the Facebook group um, with with that. I think because it records the sprockets as well. And that one yes. three that one three five uh, uh, pano uh, ondu camera looks uh, looks great. Yeah, I love the ondu okay. cameras. They're made so well. Um, they're just so easy to use, and they have great customer service. They're awesome. Those guys are really great. Elvis. Yeah, Elvis. Mm-hmm. We should get them on the show, shouldn't we? Really, Corey? It's been after show eighty, you know. Some at some point in time, yeah. yeah. We haven't had many. Well, it's been a while since we've had pinhole pinhole makers on the show, and it? it's been a while. We went yeah. through a phase of having um, a couple, a couple. Yeah, yeah. We like talking to artists more. Yeah. We do <laughs> interesting people like Heather. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, are, everybody are you still shooting with? Like that. <laughs> are you still shooting with large format film in pinhole cameras, or? I am. Yeah, um, I do still shoot with that same pinhole camera I got in college. Um, oh. So I still have that guy and I have a four by five uh, crown graphlex I use. And I actually just for fun a few weekends ago, I don't, I don't know why I think this is fun, but I um, took one of my old enlargers and made it into an eight by eight camera. Yeah. Um, So I have a new lens coming in. I got it on eBay. I'm going to get that on Tuesday and then I'm going to start shooting portraits with it. Wow. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was really excited. Um, I want to do them on paper though. So I think I'll do paper negatives, eight by eight sized. Oh, then you can just contact print. Them. And then I can contact print them. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Once again, contact printing solves all your problems. It's about, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. unless you want to make it bigger, you're stuck with the size of, of your print. But yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I like the eight by eight size though. Yeah. 
Yeah, I do too. Matt, yeah. uh, Matt Lethbridge, who's a former guest on our show, he's been doing some lovely um, contact prints. Have you seen those on the in the in the group, uh, Corey or Heather? I haven't. I don't think I have either. Yeah, they're four by five pinhole, uh, just straight contacts, landscape stuff. I mm-hmm. think he's been uh, framing stuff and matting stuff up, and I don't know whether he's got like a little exhibition or something, but they they look they look great. Mm. I don't do enough cool. contact printing, really. I, I went through a phase of it with uh, uh, some 8x10 x-ray film. I enjoyed contact printing that because I can't... What, what else can you do with 8x10 negative? You can't print it, can you? Well, I can't, you know. But, uh, yeah. Prints. Yeah, I haven't tried the x-ray film yet. I really want to get into that. I've heard good things. Give me your address and I'll send you some because I got a whole box of it that I don't hardly ever shoot just sitting in my freezer. Oh, really? Oh, wow. That'd be yeah, cool. I got a whole ton. I got a bunch of it. Thank you. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, and Andrew will uh, Andrew will cover shipping, so. <laughs> it's not expensive shipping internally. It's only expensive for you guys if you want to <laughs> yeah, ship over here. It's really I expensive, know, isn't it? Because okay. I think, isn't the, yeah. your American Postal Service, they've done away with anything but uh, the, 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 there isn't really a cheap option anymore, is there, for shipping stuff overseas? It's like mega bucks. It is really expensive. They, they, they have a flat rate box, but it's the the rate of whatever. Yeah, it, it ends up being a little bit cheaper, but it's not that much cheaper. <laughs> Some of the folks who, uh, if you participated in Emulsive Secret Santa, and you, uh, uh, so the American guys, if they've ticked, I'll ship anywhere in the world. I, I was reading a, a thread on Twitter, I think, and he said he took his Secret Santa box down to the UPS and it was like, nearly a hundred dollars to ship it somewhere and Ooh, wow. yeah <laughs> it's crazy that's a bummer <laughs> that's a bummer we cory yeah, you know yeah. we have to give ourselves a plug don't you because um folks listening if you're um uh, if you're a listener of the sunny 16 podcast they're coming up to their um it's sunny nice. awards yeah and uh. I know for a fact by because uh, there's a group of podcasters who chat regularly in a in a group, and I think Corey, you've come out of that little chat group, haven't you? Know, <laughs> but if you'd if you'd have if you'd have been in there, there aren't there aren't many podcasts who are bigging themselves up. So, um, folks, if you want to vote for the Lensless Podcast um, <laughs> as uh, as the most influential podcast in your life, you can, you can do that. <laughs> we might get one or two votes. <laughs> I didn't even think. I thought. I thought it was already. I thought it was like a, uh, a predetermined vote. Like there was only a few choices. No, 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 know. no, I, I no. You can. Uh, you can bring up anybody. You can bring yeah, up anybody. Right. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I'll go vote for you guys. Influential. So <laughs> either influential. We're the dark horse. We're the dark horse of the group. We don't really care. <laughs> no, we don't. We're really. so influential. Influential. We're not even influential. <laughs> We just love pinholes. Yeah, that's it. So what are you up to at the moment then, Heather? Is there a project or something you're working on at the moment? Or are Um, you preparing for the Christmas season? Is there anything specific you're working on with the kids? Well, at the moment, personally, I'm working on a project combining uh, lumen prints and solar photography. Um, Tell us more. I don't. I say I don't want to share too much about it. Um, yet. (laughs) Yet. Um, (laughs) I'm in the the beginning stages of it, but I, I think it's going to be really cool. 
Um, and I'm also in the process of collaborating with a few local artists um, where I'll be combining like their drawings and my solar graphs. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that also. Um, so I'm in a few planning stages. That sounds really cool. interesting. Then, well, keep us keep us posted. Share, you know, when you're ready I, to share stuff. Um... Yeah, I definitely will. Um, and the other thing I'm looking forward to, I was just talking to Corey about this earlier. Um, next week, I'm going to be taking a trip to North Carolina, um, and I'm be bringing a few of my pinhole cameras. So I'm excited to document my road trip, um, go hiking, photograph in the mountains. So that'll be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anywhere near? I don't know. Isn't how how big is? North Carolina, if you wanted to drive from one one end to the other, Corey? It's probably, it'll take you about eight hours. Oh, okay. Are you anywhere mm-hmm. near Corey? Because Corey doesn't have any friends pop in with pinhole cameras. <laughs> <laughs> he likes hiking, though, don't you, Corey? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm way far away. <laughs> yeah, I think you're about as far away from the Blue Ridge Mountains as I am in New Jersey. Yeah, it's probably pretty close, if not farther, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So who's the? Um, mm-hmm. I have to ask, who's the guy with the ripped shorts and the bare chest? Is he <laughs> oh. your? Is he your hiking partner, or is he just no. somebody you somebody you stumbled across? The wild man of the woods. <laughs> yeah. Um. His trail name is Merman, actually. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um. He is an Appalachian Trail through hiker. Um. And the Appalachian Trail is just for anyone that doesn't know, it's a hiking trail that goes from Georgia to Maine. And it takes about six months to hike the whole thing. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey right along it. Um, and I've always hiked parts of it um, and known about the through hikers. And it's always been really inspiring to me. I've always looked up to the through hikers um, and have wanted to be one myself. Uh, so in 2014, I had the idea to go and actually shoot four by five portraits of all of the through hikers um, as they came through. And I was going to cook... Uh, food for them and like give them medical supplies, kind of take their garbage, refill their water, charge their cell phones, sort of like set up a, like a quote unquote charity, but also take their portraits and write down some of their stories sort of in like a humans of New York style. Um, Mm -hmm. And I brought my digital camera with me and ended up just because of how social all the interactions were, I ended up um, ditching the four by five and just working digitally for that project so I sort of ditched my original idea but I took portraits of all the through hikers and ended up with a solo exhibit in Warwick New York which is a trail town Um, and that was one of the hikers that came through that year that I was able to photograph and like sort of um, get to know he looks, he, like was, he looks like he's been savaged by a bear, doesn't he? Yeah, so he, for whatever reason, um, I mean, the thru-hikers don't carry a lot of clothes on them anyway, but he decided that he was going to keep the same pair of shorts the entire trip um, and not change them out. And so, yeah, he has, like, all ripped pants, and if you look closely, his shoe is duct taped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so he does look like he's been ravaged by a bear. But he wore the same outfit the whole six months, um, and he was Sweet. he was he was just really funny guy. I was a great fan of that film. Is it Reese, Reese Witherspoon, where she walks the? It's a real mm-hmm. life story. Walks the Pacific Coastal Trail. Yep, the Pacific mm-hmm. Coast Trail. Is that called Wild or the Wild or something like that? Isn't it? She, I think it's called Wild. She, I think uh, you're right. she, she was a getting away from failed relationships and drug addict past, mm-hmm. and did that as a great film. Really good. And that's what it reminded me of seeing him there. Yeah. <laughs> it, who um 
what's her name? There's uh gosh, a hiker. I can't remember her name, but she did. She has the fastest time on the AT, and it was uh two months or something. I can't remember. I can't remember how fast it was, but it was like really fast. Yeah, I can't remember her name either. And there was she was hiking like sixty miles a day or something insane, some kind of crazy number. Yeah, there's been a lot of every year. I feel like there's someone trying to break a new record for the AT. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember. I know who you're talking about. I don't remember her name. Yeah, I can't either. Um, when did you go to Marrakesh? I've just seen some pictures of Marrakesh. I'd love oh, to go I was there. in. Oh, it was wonderful. Um, I went in April of this past year. Okay. Yeah, my cousin was in the Peace Corps, um, and I went to visit her. So we did Chef Shawin, um, Marrakesh, and Tangier. And it was a really great trip. And you did a two and a half day snapshot. From your living room window. <laughs> well, one, yeah. of your, one of your friends, I think you did you stay with a friend, looks like it. Anyways. Yeah, we stayed with one of our friends in Marrakesh. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really fun trip. I was nervous about bringing the solar graph cameras over there, <laughs> um, going through the airport mm. specifically, but I didn't have any. Yeah, did they give you any trouble? No, they didn't, surprisingly. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I decided to keep the paper and the cameras separate from each other Yeah, um, yeah in yeah, case sure. they had asked me to open up one of the cameras to like figure out what it was in the airport. I didn't want to ruin any of my papers, but did you get a hand check with it? Did they do that for you? No, I figured the paper wasn't sensitive enough. Yeah. So I just enough. left it in my bag. There, there's a lot of chatter now at the moment. Some of the airports in America are going over to some really, um, Strong, strong CT scan type things, and mm-hmm. and they'll they'll Kodak says they'll fog pretty much anything, and so I, I just uh, if you if you go to the Kodak website, uh, I've just seen a link to it on another Twitter feed. I think you can download the sticker to print onto a uh, you know a, on a on a print sticker, and it got the Kodak details on, and it's saying you know please don't scan, mm-hmm. you know hand check, and, and the reasons oh. why. So, yeah. Good but, uh, yeah, you'd think you'd be fine with paper, yeah. wouldn't you, really? ISO 2 or 3 or something. Mm. Or slower. Or slower. <laughs> yeah. Have you played around with the yeah. Ilford Direct Positive paper? That's uh, A lot of folks in the group use that. I haven't. Um, it's been on my list. I definitely want to, but I haven't been able to yet. Yeah, I would love to have a positive yeah. come right out of the camera. Yeah. I have some of that. I'll send you a couple pieces of that too. Ooh, I'm getting spoiled today. Sorry, he's not your new friend. He never sends me anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so expensive to ship things to you. It is. Yeah, there you go. That's right. You have to find a friend who cares in Britain somewhere over there. Mm-hmm. I get nice things sent to me. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the next I exhibition you've got coming up, Heather? Have you got one planned? I do, actually. Um, in February, there's going to be a really nice exhibition at the college I went to. Um, mm-hmm. I went to Montclair State University in northern New Jersey. And my professor, uh, he's the head of the photo department there. He's retiring after 50 years. So wow. um, they're putting on a really nice show where it's going to be his work alongside the work of his students. Um, so I have two pieces in that show that I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Are you going for his job? Oh, that would be amazing. Um, I actually, I think they're sort of dismantling the program after he retires. Oh, um, that's a I know. I don't think they're getting rid of photography, but they're changing the way 
the course program works. Um, so I don't know if I would really want his job after he leaves. Right. Uh, I would love to teach at the college level. Do, do you teach lens mm-hmm. photography as well as part of your class, Heather? I do, yeah. Um, I have 35 millimeter cameras and then I also teach digital photography. So we do DSLRs with those classes. Um, yeah. I don't teach any medium or large format. It's something I would love to do, but there's just not enough time in the school year, don't. which I know sounds there's crazy. Not, there's not enough interest is either, is there? Oh, I, mean, I would make them interested. Do you, do you <laughs> have ca- enough cameras to give the kids to play with, film cameras? I I have enough. Um, well, young, each of my classes. Young, young people, about, I should say, really, sorry. Yeah, um, each of my classes is about 18 to 20 students, and I have uh, three each semester. So it's about 60 kids in total, and I have about 35 cameras. Okay. So I don't wow. have enough where they can all take them home and use them whenever they'd like. That's definitely a goal of mine. Um, but I have enough that we can take photos during the class periods. Um, and then certain students that are like really into photography, they're asking me constantly to take uh, cameras home over the weekends and extra rolls of film. And I allow any kid that ever asks me to take a camera home, I will always support that. So Excellent. kids are constantly taking cameras home. I just don't have enough for you know everyone to take one home every day. Have you approached Mike Rasso in the film photography project? Because they mm-hmm. do their, I was just yeah, they too. do a very successful and schools cameras for schools project and mm-hmm. if you if they take donations all year for yeah cameras and film. You, really oh, you okay. should just reach out to mike rasso mm-hmm. do you listen to the film photography project podcast no i don't know about so it i'm writing all this down yeah <laughs> F, fpp if you so it's okay it, it's it started off as a project 10 years as a podcast 10 years ago and okay. after a few years, they started selling stuff. They've set up an online shop. It's probably some of the keenest mm-hmm. prices you'll get for film and photography places uh, in America. They're in New Jersey. New Jersey. New Jersey. Jersey. <laughs> yeah. And um, you're next yeah. yeah. there. <laughs> and uh, Mike is also a big evangelist for Super Eight and Eight Millimeter Film. He's he's oh, running cool. he's, he's running a business now from the same location where they're doing. It. They've got some really high end scanners. He's offering a uh, to supply film and scanning um, uh, and, developing. and developing all for like maybe a half, at least half of what you'll get elsewhere. Uh, oh, wow. And, and he's, uh, he's got 10 years worth of podcasts for you to catch up with, Heather. Yeah, seriously. And, uh, and an online <laughs> And their schools, honestly, their schools program, every, pretty much every other show he's talking about, oh, Leslie Lazenby, who's mm-hmm. one of the guests, she said he's, she's just driven down and dropped off like 30 you know, Pentax K1000s or Minolta's or whatever, and they test each camera first before they before it goes out. And they get yeah. letters from really grateful uh, to, uh, photography professors and teachers, and it, it's a fantastic mm-hmm. thing. And I'd encourage you to reach out to Mike Rasso, yeah. the film photography. They do darkroom. They do darkroom equipment too. Yeah. Anything, wow. anything that's donated, yeah. they they yeah enlargers. Oh, that's and, amazing. You know, the whole tell them we sent you. To, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm emailing tomorrow. <laughs> I sent you. Say, I sent you. Don't put Andrew into oh, I met. I met Mike. He's an old, he's an old buddy of mine. <laughs> well, I met him in 2012. Yeah. No, you should reach out. It's a really good project. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, Heather, we will. Uh, we really appreciate you coming and hanging mm-hmm. out with us. And yeah, thanks for having me. Talking away. Um, 
share, share, we share like... some stuff in the Facebook group and uh, yeah. you know, put some pictures. It's a very interactive, chatty mm-hmm. place. Go and comment yeah. on my uh, go and comment on my solograph that I just posted. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see it. <laughs> oh, don't be that excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. This is fun. You can. Uh... Before you go, let everyone know where they can find you. You know, you can uh, your web website. Oh, good. Instagram. I'll I'll have all the links in the show notes. Um, so if anybody's just wondering, yeah. Um, my Instagram is heather art. Um, and you spell my last name P A L E C E K. Um, and then my web page is heatherpalasek.squarespace.com. Um, yep. yep. So that's where you can find me. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And you can find Andrew at Flickr. The only, he's the only one there. Oh. Flickr is <laughs> awesome. Uh, and we have a, folks listening, we have, if you need reminding, we have a lensless podcast Flickr group, which has uh, got some beautiful images in. Uh, and most weeks I have a little look in there. Sometimes I look in there and uh, make a note of interesting uh, folks who maybe can be future guests on the show. So post your work in the Lenses Podcast Flickr group. And it's a great way of seeing mm-hmm. images at good resolution on a nice size, you know, as opposed to Instagram. Yeah. Little tiny, little tiny Instagram. All righty. Well, um, thanks for coming, Heather. And we'll... Talk to everybody soon. When's that? We have a show before Christmas. Don't no, we, we don't, mate. No, it'll be yeah. just after Christmas, I think. So, about mm-hmm. 27th, 28th, somewhere like that. Yeah, 26th or the 27th. Yeah, yeah. So, have a lovely Christmas, you two. Yeah, when do you finish? Yeah, when do, when do your when do you break up, as we would say? When do you stop for, um, for Christmas? My last day is the 20th on Friday. Yeah. We have a half day. Excellent. Yep. Oh, am I doing? How long? When do you? When do you? I was when like, do you no, go? Friday's the twenty fifth. No, that was in October. <laughs> when do you, and when do you go back? Early fifth, sixth, uh, January second. Oh, actually, there we go. yeah, but it's still a really oh, wow. Party. You guys, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's nice. Cool. Yep. So everybody, have a merry Christmas. Yeah. Uh, if we don't see you again, and well, we won't you hear from us again till after Christmas. So, uh, we'll <laughs> but before the new now. year. But before the new year, yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.